Hello, crime lovers, and welcome to Crime on Tap. I'm Megan, joined by my co-host, Sean. And welcome to our true crime podcast. Join us weekly as we drink our favorite cocktails and discuss gruesome murders, kidnappings, conspiracies, and more. Share the podcast with your friends, family, and heck, your grandma. Leave a review and make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Crime on Tap Pod. Tune in for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Whether you're driving to work or doing laundry, Crime on Tap will be sure to fulfill your true crime fix each week. And now, buckle up for this week's episode. Listen and enjoy. Oh my god, hi! <gasps> oh my god, we're back! Mm. Hello! <laughs> I can't believe it, we're back again, Megan. Really, this week, I've officially hopped off the struggle bus. Well, actually, I guess not. I'm still back on the, tr- the struggle bus because Boston just implemented a mask mandate. So, oh, yeah. back again, you know, last year it was like summer, like free time, fun, fun, fun. And then the fall hits and then we're like back in lockdown. Here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, round two. Yeah. Well, over here, there's been a huge uptick. It's running rampant. I actually, as you know, but I'll tell our viewers at my other job that doesn't involve you. Um, <laughs> uh, just to be clear, because there's only two employees <laughs> with you. Um, just that's it. One of my coworkers got COVID and she was vaccinated. She got the January. So I don't know if it's that J&J shit. Oh, yeah. So we closed down the salon and everyone has to get tested. So I'm waiting on my results. Mm -hmm. I feel fine. I wasn't in direct contact, but it's like really going around the community. So my 89 year old stepmother just got just got like tested positive. So but I mean, she's a strong ass bitch. I gotta tell you, (laughs) I think she's gonna be fine. Like she said, Oh, it just feels like a cold. Like, oh, well, that's what Patrick's mother said. And then like two days later, Oh, she could barely breathe. Oh, great. Yeah. Like, hit, like took her out. She's a farm wife, okay? Oh, yeah. Nothing compares to living on a farm. She'll be fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Oh, who else got it? Oh, yeah. A bunch of other um, family members that are around the farm and stuff. So, yeah, I'm going to... It's going to be... It was going to be a busy weekend. It's probably not going to be a busy weekend. I am being cautious and not going anywhere until I get the results, even though I feel like I'm fine... I just feel like you never know. Yeah. So. Well, I feel it's a mixture of like you're young and you are you're also vaccinated. So most likely you probably won't you be asymptomatic. Like you won't probably yeah. even know, you know. If I do get it, yeah. Yeah. So Miss COVID finally got her claws into me. <laughs> Wait, what's the karma? Oh, oh my God. Fuck. The, um, karma got its kiss from me. <laughs> COVID got its kiss from me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that video. Oh my god, that's an oldie buddy goodie. It is. So yeah, Megan, you might be have might have COVID, but thankfully you're gonna get it soon enough. So like by the time we go camping, like you'll be all cleared. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I mean, if I even, well, then of course, you know, small town, New England, they're like, oh, we don't work on weekends. So, you know, you won't get your results until a weekday. I'm like, COVID does not stop for the weekend, people. <laughs> COVID okay? does not. <laughs> Keep working. <laughs> right. Give me my results. Yes. Dang. Well, I'm sorry you got to like have a slouchy weekend and it's like the summertime you want to do things since last year you couldn't do anything. Right. And then now back at square one. Back at square one. But well, the good news is, is that I have a new laptop. So like I'm back in business, baby. <laughs> Bad news is my mom informed me that today there's a hurricane coming towards Boston. What? Yeah, they're saying it's a tropical storm right now, potentially going to be missing the coast of North Carolina and shooting directly for New England. So it's been apparently 30 years since there's been a hurricane here, Hurricane Bob, and now Hurricane Henri potentially going to be hitting us on Sunday. So it's like I moved to Boston, I moved to the city, and here we go. Now we get a hit with a hurricane. It's almost like, I don't know what to do. What do you do? I don't know. It's almost like a winter storm in Florida. Like, we don't have hurricanes here. I don't know how to prepare. What? Right, exactly. Right? It's like people from out of state come in oh. with no snow tires, and you're like, okay, clearly you don't know what's going on here. <laughs> exactly. So, like, bunker down, prepare, buy candles. I'm like, the hell's that going to do? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't, just take all your stuff in from the porch, I guess, so it doesn't blow away. Yeah, I'm like, what if the roof flies off? Like, what do I do? <laughs> Light a candle? <laughs> Fuck. God damn. So, like, I guess I'll get, I'll see what's going on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Might be pretty exciting around here. I guess I'll have an update for you next week about how the hurricane was. Mm-hmm. And if my car is going to be still on the streets of Boston, or it might be in the fucking harbor. <laughs> <laughs> it might be in the fucking harbor. That's how you gotta say it. It's in the harbor. The fucking harbor. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like what's going on here. Like I just hopped off the struggle bus and you know, right back on it. Also, mm-hmm. I just want to update the viewers. I'm back to playing tennis. I just informed Megan before we started the podcast that God, I almost I was almost tearing up on the way home today <laughs> after playing tennis. I haven't played in like five years, and I played with this guy who's been playing every single day since September. He wanted to play for like three hours. I was like driving on the court. I took a shit in the porta pot. I took multiple pisses. And clearly, I'm exhausted and out of shape and kind of getting a little chubby. And he wants to keep playing. Like, social awareness. I'm clearly dying here, and you want to keep playing. Get with it, Jack. It's like, he didn't notice that you were, you were taking several trips to the bathroom? I, like... I, like, I even took a trip to my car to get my own hand sanitizer, in which it was locked when I got there. And I said, yo, Jack, can you unlock my car? Because my keys are on the bleachers. Clearly, like, I'm doing something in the bathroom here. Yeah. Like... Clearly you're a mess. I was not well. It was not a good go around. And he's like interested in playing like again. Jack, oh, I'm going to need a week to recover after this. (laughs) Yeah, give me some time to train. (laughs) Yeah, like damn. Let me run a mile or two a week or something. But yeah, so I like, I realize I'm not in the best shape that I used to be. I'm getting a little chunky. I'm just, I was just like out of breath. It's kind of embarrassing. But he's like, yeah, I'm out here playing every single day. I'm like, yeah, I'm out here not playing every day. (laughs) So why do you want to keep playing with me? Find someone else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cut me some slack, dude. (laughs) Damn. So I'm at intense to my my schedule so i don't know if you can see the bags under my eyes but i've been up since four o'clock this fucking morning and here we are pushing out a podcast for you guys of course i mean i may have fucking covid and sean's <laughs> driving and shitting in the porta potty but well, we are bringing you content at least like you'll be able to relate of what i went through today like not being able to breathe on the court maybe you'll get covid this weekend and you won't be able to breathe <laughs> i feel like you're hoping i get covid <laughs> just like so, so you have misery someone to share misery with. <laughs> Honestly, if this is what COVID's like, damn. I don't wish that on anybody. Alrighty, so moving into our next segment, we like to do a little Britney update every single week. And of course, we got another Britney update. She never fails, fails to not deliver with some kind of update for us. So not only has she been posting like topless photos on Instagram of her like holding her boobs, it's just like she did it once and it was kind of funny, but now she's done it like four or five times and it's like, okay, Britney, like why are you like dancing around holding your boobs topless? Yeah, like we get it. Yeah, you got your freedom back. Like let it loose, but it's like okay, now it's overdone. Like we got the message. We got the message. I don't care. Like do whatever you want, but it's just like you're like 40 years old. You got kids, and you're out here doing that. It's like I don't know. Okay, but regardless of that, she's right now being accused of battery. Is that what we're hearing, Megan? Her housekeeper or something is accusing her of like assaulting her. I don't really know what's going on, but I mean, Brittany was so drugged up. She probably doesn't remember doing anything back in those days. Right. Well, that's what I saw too. And a lot of, I saw a lot of people commenting like, it's probably someone that is in with Jamie and they're trying to do everything they can to undermine her be like, she's still not well and keep the conservatorship. So I feel like it's, and maybe, you know, something did happen, but I wonder if it's to the scale that they're going to try to prove it to. And why is it coming to light now so conveniently? Exactly. I was just going to mm-hmm. say that. How convenient is it that it's coming out right now? Mm-hmm. So know? I feel like the public, I mean, every one that I've talked to, and by that I mean reading comments. <laughs> On um, Reddit or Tumblr? Yes. Um, <laughs> no, everyone is like, okay, this is fishy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe she saw the success of whole Cuomo scandal and how like that was successful. And like these women came out and he stepped down. You know, mm-hmm. that just happened. But I don't know. It's just really way too coincidental that it's mm-hmm. happening right now. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how it plays out. But I like just heard about it today. Yeah, me too. I just heard about it. Oh, so I don't know anything else. Another news, Kylie Jenner is pregnant with baby number two with Travis Scott. If anyone Oh, cares. I did see that. <laughs> like, does anyone fucking care? I forgot she had one kid because it's not like she raises it. The nanny raises it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even know what, what the, the gender or the sex is. It's, it's a baby. <laughs> I don't know. I believe the name is Stormy. 
I think. No, I think that I think that's one of no no, you're thinking of the prostitute that slept with um Chloe? Donald Trump. Stormy Daniels? Yes. No. It's a hundred percent Stormy. Oh, that's a terrible name. Kylie Jenner. Oh, you're looking I got a no-no. You're going to prove me? <laughs> I got to prove you wrong. You know what? I think you're right because I think it was around the Stormy Daniels time. And I'm like, why would you name your child after a scandal right now <laughs> or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, it's Stormy. That's stupid. And then Chloe's <laughs> daughter's name is True. Okay. Regardless, Megan, mm-hmm. here on Crime on Tap, we like to have a little drinking drinky just to get through what we the topics that we talk about. So what are you drinking tonight? So I'm running out of alcohol, which is a shame because what am I going to do all weekend? And I can't go anywhere. <laughs> That's so true. I, I have very unoriginal White Claw. This one is watermelon. And how how do you like those? What do you mean? I let, I love seltzers. I just don't get the hype. I just don't get it. It doesn't taste like alcohol. It's so easy. That's what, like what it is. And it's like really low calorie. So it's like, it, yeah, this is a watermelon flavor. And I realize that I don't like watermelon flavored alcohol. It's too mm. sweet. I don't like watermelon flavored anything. Like remember like, those high noons we had when I was visiting you? Oh, I like and those. I, I finished John's and it was watermelon and it was, it tastes just like this. Just like so sugary. Like it comes oh, to yes. Yes. Okay, that's what I was talking about with, like, the Bud Light Seltzer iced tea things. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, that coating on your teeth. Yeah. It just like, doesn't feel right. Yeah, so yeah. I, that's what's going on over on my neck of the woods. Well, <laughs> I did see that Bud Light Seltzer, it's coming out with, like, a fall line. And it's, like, apple cider. There's one called pear maple. There's one toasted marshmallow. So if that's out when we go camping, oh, we are stocking up. Because I want to do all the white it? girly things camping and drink my Bud Light flannel seltzer. Yes, that does sound fun. <laughs> I will not be shocked if uh, during camping it's going to be a washout or it's just going to be unbearably, disgustingly hot because yep. that's all we've had this summer. Mm-hmm. It's been a shit summer. It's been hot as fuck or it's been raining. There's no in between. Today, it was muggy and hot. My whole shirt was sweating. Like <laughs> Swamp bass. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> And then you went and played tennis. Yeah, exactly. So I <laughs> will not be shocked if our camping adventure results in one of those climates. So we just need to be stocked up on alcohol to get through it. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like whenever you camp, it always has to rain. That's just like the rule. It, At least know, one. It's 830 on a Friday and I'm drinking iced coffee and I can do what the fuck I want. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's my drinky drinky, just because I just needed a little something after that tennis excursion I had. To just wake you up. Yeah, I needed a little pump me up for the podcast, so. And well, and then you have to get up so early to then go again tomorrow, so you don't want to be hungover or feeling icky or anything. I already warned my partner, and I was like, yeah, I did a bad thing today, and uh, we'll see how tomorrow goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Megan, if you got nothing Mm -hmm. left to say, how about we get right into the potty? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the shitter? Yeah, that came out wrong. <laughs> okay, yes. So what we're talking about this week, guys, is celebrity murders. Ooh. So celebrities get murdered just like us. <laughs> Regular folk. And it happens and then we all forget. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then until you're like, oh, who was that that was murdered? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because you're doing one that I was like, I can remember the whole story. I just can't remember her name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually have someone else first. So. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Why don't you start it off? So I didn't want to choose like the obvious ones like Sharon Tate and Nicole Brown Simpson because those have been played out like a thousand times. Like I feel like yeah. everyone knows. Maybe we'll do like a classic episode or something. But so I left them out. So this one is... Phil Hartman, who died on May 28th, 1998, and he was a Canadian comedian on Saturday Night Live. He was like a comedian. He was a part of like an improv troupe, and he was very, he was like, he played the everyman. So the everyman is kind of like the, a crazy, wacky character, and then you have the person they play off of that's like more neutral. Like um, Jason Bateman is like a good example of like the everyman. <gasps> I love Jason Bateman in Ozark. Oh, I haven't seen Ozark. <gasps> Oh, you have to watch it. Stellar performance. My mom's obsessed with it. He was known for impressions of Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton. So he won an Emmy as a writer and was nominated as a performer. He was also a regular voice actor on The Simpsons. So he was like reaching the height of his career in the 90s. 
You know what? I feel like I remember seeing his name in like um, the credits on The Simpsons or like in the beginning when it starts. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember seeing his name. It's possible. Yeah. I feel like I'm not a big enough fan of The Simpsons. Well, I used to be a big fan, like, back in the day. I have a whole, like, totes and totes of, like, The Simpsons memorabilia. That's over... so weird. Right? Like, I, I was obsessed. About you. I don't know why, like, I was, I didn't like, like, any of those other ones, like Family Guy, American Dad, like, those. I never liked those. I love The Simpsons, though. Like, The Simpsons mm-hmm. Road Rage on GameCube, I fucked with that. Beat that <laughs> so many times. Loved it. I, I remember that game. I was so, I was so bad at it. Wow, like, I'm serious. Like, I had an obsession. I made JoJo get her checks were the simpsons oh <laughs> jojo and jojo did it and she did it and she had a keychain of ralphie oh <gasps> bless her little heart right like i don't know i was just obsessed with the simpsons but i grew out of that phase mm-hmm. yeah because i've never heard you talk about it ever. yeah <laughs> like patrick watches it now and i'm like oh you're watching the simpsons like okay i can't be bothered <laughs> you're over it where's ozark <laughs> yeah put on ozark where are the kardashians <laughs> <gasps> oh my gosh so the more we know about sean <laughs> the more no oh we definitely got to do like a like a q a like get to know us potty or something <laughs> stop saying potty <laughs> <laughs> already okay so people said that he was stuck in between being like a performer and entertainer and then being like a reclusive introverted writer so he was like always pushed and pulled in different directions and like had a, like a lot of emotional baggage. Yeah. And so that came with like a lot of marriages. He met his third wife, Bryn. Third wife. Damn. Amdahl. Amdahl. So she was a, she moved to LA to become a model and an actress. And like she did some modeling gigs, but she never really made it as an actress or really did anything. And so of course, caught up in the drug lifestyle, addicted to cocaine and alcohol for a while. But by the time she met Phil Hartman, she had been clean Mm -hmm. and in recovery. So at this time, so Bryn, let's just say he's unhinged. She's one of those people that is like, she's sexy. She's intense. You know, she'll take mm-hmm. you for a ride, but she's also fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so even without the drugs, they were very tumultuous, always fighting, but then making up and so passionate, but dangerous, you know, just like an episode of Snapped. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and so here's an example of her, like, just being outright fucking crazy. Bryn gave birth to their one of their children, their son, and Phil Hartman's second ex-wife sent them a letter congratulating them on the birth of their child like how cordial and nice and sweet and so she wrote a letter back that said don't ever fucking get near me or my family or i will hurt you i never want to hear from you never ever ever come near us or you will be sorry oh wow so it's like this woman's like oh you know what yeah i uh, you know phil and i are divorced but i'm really happy for you guys congratulations yeah like you can still care about the person Right. And she was like, if you fucking come near my family, I'm going to throttle you. <gasps> she wasn't like, yeah, I want to suck your dick. Like, I want to have your next baby. No, yeah. it was just like a cordial, like, I feel like people don't do that nowadays. But, you know, just like sending, oh, congratulations. Now you just write it on Facebook on the announcement. But like, you know, back in the 90s, you'd, you know, write a letter or something. Send yeah. a fruit basket. I don't know. <laughs> a pigeon. A, a, a carrier pigeon. <laughs> I kind of see where this is going. Yes. The height of Phil's career, he was really withdrawing. And I feel like he was very overwhelmed. He's a very sensitive guy. And so he withdrew a lot from Bryn. And they began fighting even more. Yeah. And so on May 27th of 1998, they had one of their big fights. And so she had gone and had dinner with a friend, had a couple of drinks, even though she, you know, had an issue. But they yeah. said, the friend said once she left dinner that she seemed fine. She didn't seem upset. But then, of course, when she got home, her and Hartman fought again. And he finally was like, okay, I'm just going to go to bed. You go sleep in the guest room. And so yeah. he goes into his bedroom, goes to sleep. So, of course, I don't know why, but they had a pair of, like, his and her guns for each other cute so she Mm -hmm. um, so she took one of her gun and hartman was asleep and she shot him in the head in the chest and he died instantly so he didn't suffer yeah i guess so 
An hour later, she drank more and called her friend Ron Douglas. She told Ron that Phil had left her and left a note that he would be back, but she was just so distraught. So then she showed up at his house and she was drunk and hysterical and he kind of took care of her and she was puking and all this stuff. And she finally said to Douglas, she was like, I killed my husband. He's like, sure you did, honey. (laughs) Um, And he didn't believe her. (laughs) So... Once she known her crazy ass did. I know. I don't know why he didn't believe her. Mm-hmm. I needed to sip to get through the rest. Okay. <laughs> no, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> so eventually when she, Douglas felt like she was sober enough to drive home, I don't know why she went to this friend. He does not seem well. <laughs> like, like not believing her, having her drive, like all of it seemed weird. Yeah. And so she drove home and Douglas was following her in his own car. So on the way, I guess on her car phone... <laughs> because it's this old she called her friend judy who and then she said i killed phil and judy actually believed her judy queen queen judy so i think she was like a no-name person i don't think she was like a celebrity so judy beats them to the house she waits for brennan douglas they all go up together to the bedroom and they see phil in his bed covered in blood dead okay so her friends take the kids out of the house they had two kids damn oh yeah and i forgot they had i thought i thought they had one. Oh, when their first son was born is when she sent the the letter but oh. they had another child after damn i'm um, shocked she wasn't so petty she just sent a second letter yeah <laughs> probably lucky oh my god she might be dead if she sent that second letter <laughs> well that's what she was like after that she's like all right you you don't want me around your family you got it sister <laughs> yeah. so their oldest sean who's nine at the time not spelled the same s-e-a-n so he's irrelevant so he's irrelevant the poor child <laughs> he said he actually heard the gunshots so the kids oh. were home when she killed Phil. So the friends took the kids out of there. The cops came and while they were on their way, Bryn actually locked herself in the room with Phil and took her own life. So it was a murder-suicide. Okay. I mean, honestly, I don't know if she could have lived with that, you know? Well, she actually called her sister to say goodbye first and then she hung up and did it. So I don't know if this was all like premeditated or if it was like a spur of the moment thing and she couldn't live with what she had done. But yeah, yeah, so they both died. That's what I'm thinking it was. Mm -hmm. I think she just like became enraged. She did it and then she was like, oh shit, my life is over. So might as well just end it. Yeah, because I mean, she would have gone to prison for life. Exactly. You know, it would have been a shit life at the end of the day. So I don't know. She still wouldn't be able to have her kids no matter what. I mean- yeah that's sad but damn poor guy just got in a little argument but i I mean three wives bro you should have known they're all fucking nuts he definitely had some emotional baggage that he just couldn't sort through and it was the wrong woman that was not only would she not put up with it she just went nuts like the first two were not as bad as the third i guess like Mm-hmm. I know his second wife, I think her name was like Louise or Louisa or something. She seemed like a nice gal. Yeah, right. <laughs> she said in letters, you know. Mm-hmm. So sweet. <laughs> now he's with the crazy girl. Well, you mean was. <laughs> was with the crazy girl. <laughs> I got mm-hmm. my notes here. I'm ready to discuss my first topic, Megan. Okay. Go ahead, Shawnee. Alrighty. So the iconic Tupac and Biggie Smalls. Yes. I will be talking about them as one. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sure they hate that. Um, oh, yes. I mean, I'm okay. sure the West first, Coast is cringing. But first you got, who, are you Biggie or are you Tupac? Or do you not give a shit? Well, honestly, I don't know any of their fucking music. Oh. <laughs> Why, like, are you like, a, are you like, is this like Twilight? Like, you know. <laughs> team Jacob and Team are you like team tupac or team biggie well i okay so i have to say i don't really know any tupac songs i only know biggie songs and also i'm not on the the coast but i am eastern so i definitely like am team biggie like if i had to pick okay honestly i think i'd say tupac just from like researching and reading about it he was definitely more attractive um Um, hey just because biggie was biggie right (laughs) Well, I don't know. Tupac's just like, he was like chiseled, you know, he just looked good. He did have a good bone structure. I gotta say that. Yeah. Yeah. And like all the articles were like, he like swooned like all the girls. He was just like Mm -hmm. a good looking guy. You might be a fake fan because Tupac was actually born in New York. You know what? I may be. I said I didn't know a lot, (laughs) but if I had to pick. 
<laughs> Alrighty, so let me just get right into it. I'll do a little background on Tupac and Biggie. I'm sure y'all listen and know all about Tupac and Biggie, but like I didn't know nothing about them. I just knew they died and there was like some beef going on. But let me explain the situation to you. To start, no one has ever been prosecuted for the killing of either Tupac or Biggie. So the killers are still out there. Sad. At large. Um, at large, yes. At um, Biggie, if you will. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> damn. <laughs> So Tupac was born in Harlem, New York, born and raised in New York. However, his mother realized that the crime rate going on in New York was too large and she wanted to get him out. So that's why they started moving around the country and they ended up out in California. So that's how he got up to the West Coast, basically. Wasn't really his choice. He was just kind of like, get in the car. (laughs) West Coast. Yeah. So like he was born on the East Coast, which I was reading this. I'm like, I thought the whole beef was like, you know, West Coast, East Coast. But like he's originally from the East Coast. Why is there beef? I don't yeah. I Yeah, I never would have thought that because I exactly like you. I know East Coast versus West Coast, but like it's like not really. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get that whole thing. Tupac grew up and he always loved music and poetry as like Biggie. They kind of grew up in this era where like hip hop was like, you know, it wasn't how it is today. It was mm-hmm. almost like art it was poetry but also respected i feel like back in the day Mm -hmm. like the og gangsters rappers were like respected and nowadays it's like we got cardi b (laughs) megan the stallion Mm -hmm. (laughs) g easy who thinks he's a rapper i don't know much about rap but i know g easy sucks but yes tupac's basically he started as a roadie that's what they call it. He started as a roadie. He was a dancer. And he just kind of tagged along for this band called Digital Underground. And this is... <gasps> oh, my fucking God. Wait, what I do you know about I did not know them? Tupac was part of... I love Digital Underground song. They do the Humpty Dance. The Humpty Hump? Yes, come on. I do the Humpty Hump. Oh, oh my God. God. I made me a Tupac fan now. I don't know. Damn. Oh, my God. I love Digital Underground. <laughs> I turned you. <laughs> Okay, so he started as a dancer and a roadie for Digital Underground back in the early 90s. And he first took to the mic in 1991 where he released his first studio album called Tupacalypse Now, which I love that name. That's a great album name. That is a good name. Um, And basically he, you know, he really was kind of self-made. Like he did it all himself. He released his own music. He did his own thing. He grinded his way to the top. It became a platinum selling artist by 1993. So interesting thing is, is that Tupac was like, he was already established before Biggie even came up. So Biggie was raised in Brooklyn, New York. So, I mean, right around the same area, right in mm-hmm. New York City, basically all the same thing. He actually attended very prestigious high schools in and around Brooklyn, where English was like a main focal subject. So that's where he developed his love for rap and like poetry and writing and just like um what's the word like songwriting was prose oh no lyric um, lyrics lyrics yeah like lyrics and like just creating music he said he said it in like an interview he just enjoyed hearing his art on the radio and that's basically all it was he thought it was art however he started selling drugs so Biggie was not only selling drugs, but he was also making music and attending very prestigious high schools. I don't get it. (laughs) I guess Mama Tupac was right when she said, "Mm, New York, crime rate far too high. Right. It is. Like, get your kids out of there. So by 1993, Biggie created his first demo. Now, this demo somehow got into the hands of Sean Diddy Combs, which that might ring a bell doesn't he have like 16 different names since he gone by <laughs> diddy p diddy puff daddy puff daddy yeah, yeah i was gonna say puffy something yeah puff daddy yeah so like yeah that <laughs> name he's got tons of others you might have recognized mm-hmm. and he began representing biggie smalls which i never knew that so that's kind of interesting to find out and in 1993 he created his first demo and that's when he becoming like mainstream he was you know growing his following and he was really really respected on the east coast people loved him he was just like a humble guy who sold drugs i guess i don't really know but that means he's like one of the people he's like on the streets roughing it with like the people listening to his music you know what i'm saying i'm not saying it was right but i'm saying i understand how he got popular yeah exactly so by 1993 biggie was getting big tupac was already established and they were actually really good friends so this one thing i did discover um how they first met was that biggie talked to one of his drug dealers and said i want to meet 
Tupac. Schedule a meeting with me to meet Tupac. And then the article was like, he, he asked his drug dealer to schedule a meeting with Tupac so he could meet him. I was like, that don't seem like how things work, but like, maybe that's just how it worked back in the day. I don't know. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they set up the meeting and somebody who was also at the meeting gave a little insider look at how like the friendship started. And they said, yeah, it was just like a chill environment. Tupac was in the kitchen cooking steak, fries, bread and also made some kool-aid and he recalls that tupac yelled come and get it and everyone came and just ate dinner like how oh wholesome God. is that they i was were gonna friends. say that that sounds literally amazing honestly right? i why do we have to lose them exactly like down to like you said down to earth like yeah. just like yeah it was just so like, much easier back in the day mm-hmm. he didn't have his personal chef making him fucking ratatouille or whatever the fuck, yeah you know Tupac, like he's a platinum selling artist by this time and he's making his own steak and fries and he's like just having a, a kiki <laughs> i'm sure they didn't call it a kiki but i love it so they had a mutual respect for each other and also not only was it important that they had a respect for each other but also their friend groups had a respect for each other because it wasn't any just normal friend group it was kind of like a gang it was a big thing for the west and east coast gangs to have kind of mutual friendship with these two big name uh rappers so that was also a big thing back in the 1993 era also in 1993 they actually performed together at an event in new york city and after this event happened biggie approached tupac and said hey i want you to manage me i want you to represent me and tupac was like nah like i don't mix business and friendships he said stick with p diddy and he'll make you famous so that's what Biggie did. He stuck with Sean Combs, which is so funny. It's like Biggie asked Tupac to represent him. Like he wanted to be his manager. Like, mm-hmm. damn, like they were really close. Yeah. So it's so sad to see this friendship crumble. So in 1994 is when really everything started to go downhill between the two. Tupac and Biggie were working on a project with a, another another rapper. I think it was his project. The rapper's name was Little Sean. Sean spelt correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Sean. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know who Little Sean is. What are the songs? He, he sounds familiar. Really? Oh, um, you know what? It is. One of Biggie's songs, he references Little Sean. So I, that's probably um, where I heard him. All right, never mind. All right, I forgot you're like a big fan. <laughs> I don't know all of his songs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Tupac and Biggie were working on this project. And the project was based in New York City. But again, like they had a mutual respect for each other. Like everything was, everything was cool. So... Tupac shows up at the, it might have been a hotel or something, recording studio, and he walks into the lobby and he gets shot five times in the back and he survives this. He doesn't die, but after the shooting, there's beef because Tupac firmly believes that uh, Sean Combs and also Biggie were involved in the shooting of Tupac. I don't know if they were just jealous of his success. They needed to take him out so Biggie could rise to the top, but Tupac at that point did not trust Biggie anymore, did not trust the East Coast, and this is really where the beef started between the two coasts it was almost like a coastal war where the crips and the bloods were Mm -hmm. not happy with each other after the shooting so post tupac getting shot surviving which is so like he got shot five times you know at this point it's like damn is this even worth it like going out in public anymore like you know Mm -hmm. do i even continue but he continued he definitely continued because then he signed with a company called death row records and death row records was a direct competitor with sean diddy comb productions or whatever the fuck it was called yeah <laughs> sean diddy had his own record label his own production and it was a direct jab at biggie and sean combs so more beef is happening you know they're now creating songs about each other within a couple months biggie released a song that was called who shot ya question mark <gasps> Oh um, so he's then, like probing yeah he's poking the bear yeah that's what i meant not probing <laughs> like an alien <laughs> he's probing the alien yeah <laughs> and then tupac responded back with a song that was called hit him up question mark and in the song he had lyrics that claimed he had slept with biggie's wife now biggie's wife responded back and was like i don't do business like that so she was like <laughs> denying the claims Mm-hmm. But like, why would Tupac just make a song being like, you know, I slept with your old girl? There's got to be some truth to it. I feel like, I feel like at his level, he won't be just be making up claims like that. You know, well, I feel he probably did it to piss Biggie off. I feel like people say that all the time. Like, yo, I fucked your mama. You know? Yeah. So, oh, you maybe know? yeah. Or was it just like a yo mama joke and he took it really literally? Yeah. 
<laughs> like your wife <laughs> yeah so um from that time that happened around 1994-1995 now we get to the sad part on september 7th of 1996 is when tupac officially passed away he was shot after a tyson boxing match out in las vegas it was a drive-by he mm-hmm. just got shot five times and again that person has never been identified they've had some suspects but they've all been acquitted so no one has found out who has killed Tupac. But you never know because, like, after all these years, we finally found out who the Golden State Killer was by, like, him leaving his trash in the garbage can on the street. So you never know. You mm-hmm. know, we might find the killer one day. But that was back in 1996. He died of eventual eternal bleeding. And after that point in time, Biggie claims that he had no involvement with it. You know, it might have been, like, somebody on the East Coast, one of those gangs that might have just had enough. And, you know, for them, that's nothing. That's just another kill, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just another teardrop to add to the face. Another day at the office. Another day at the office. So Biggie and Sean Diddy, they all claim no involvement, didn't know nothing about it. And actually after this time, Biggie, he's on the record saying that he wanted to end the coastal beef. He didn't like what was going on. He didn't really like how these two big stars were contributing to huge coastal gang violence right so he wanted to end it he didn't want it anymore back in oh so only about so about seven or eight months later from when tupac died is when biggie passed away same exact thing he was at in a party in la and driving home again a drive-by he was fatally shot and killed so that was in 1997 but interesting enough right after tupac died in 1996 Biggie was actually in a car accident that left him crippled, kind of, and he had to walk with a cane. So Tupac died. Biggie gets in a car accident, almost dies, was walking with a cane, and then Mm -hmm. he gets killed in 1997. So it's like these two boys can't fucking win. (laughs) The people are trying to go out. I wonder if the uh, car accident wasn't so accidental. I know, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost, well, I almost did Princess Diana and how their whole conspiracy behind like the driver was like the crash and everything. But that might've been the same thing for Biggie. Mm -hmm. You don't know who's driving that fucking car. She's an interesting story, Mm -hmm. but basically that's all I got for Tupac and Biggie. So if y'all didn't know how they passed away, didn't know the story behind their beef. Now, you know, so I feel like I'm still Biggie. Are you still Biggie girl? Unless he tried to kill Tupac. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. But there's never been anything revealed of any evidence mm-hmm. claiming that he had any involvement. So I think you're safe. Okay. I'm safe to be a biggie girl. I'm still a Tupac girl, so. <laughs> oh my God. We got beef. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh my God. It's happening all over again. Damn. All right. You can do a new next one. This one is really short. Not going to say short and sweet because it's not sweet. Someone dies. Um, <laughs> short and violent. Short and violent because it's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of. So Christina Grimmie oh, was a singer. She was a contestant on The Voice season seven. Mm-hmm. And she also like had a following on YouTube where she you know posted videos. And so she also had like a YouTube presence. And so she was at a mall, the Plaza Live in Orlando, Florida. Yep. And she was signing autographs and you know being her kind self like everyone said how she was like goofy and fun loving and extroverted and kind and she was like good friends with selena gomez which i didn't know Mm-hmm. So she was just like an all around, like kind, giving, down to earth person. She's 22 at the time. So it was June 10th, 2016. And an obsessed fan is how they label him Kevin James Loibel. Paul Blart Mall. Was it a mall? Damn. There were 120 people at this meet and greet. And he pulled out a gun and shot her three times, once in the head and twice in the chest. Actually, her brother, Marcus Grimmy, um, tackled him Mm -hmm. and, like, saved everyone's lives. Like, he was, like, a hero. But he was very close with his sister. I mean, he was there, like, at her meet meet and greet, like, supporting her and stuff. And so he was very devastated. But, I mean, good on his part for his quick thinking and like i feel like many other people would have died because the chief of police john mina said that he had two handguns and two additional loaded magazines and a large hunting knife what the fuck so that makes me think that he was like gonna go on like a massacre like having all that stuff you know that's why that shit makes me so nervous to do anything in a crowd 
I know. Like you go in somewhere like and they don't there's no security. Honestly, when we went to the aquarium here in Boston. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just... like a prime spot for like a massive crowd of people. Well, I feel like these places with all these crowds are more concerned about you bringing outside food and drink than fucking weapons. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know clear bag policy. Yeah. Okay. Imagine he fucking drops a bomb on the aquarium. We'd all drown with that fucking tank exploding you know mm-hmm. like i don't know or be These... stung by a stingray and steve yeah. Owen. <laughs> this makes me nervous sometimes like even going to the movies now after remember all those like oh yeah movie shootings movie? that like yeah was it train wreck i remember i saw that movie in theaters uh batman returns movie. that was another one oh yep and that one had yeah in like colorado yeah so it's like yeah and so th- they went through all of kevin james loibel's like stuff and there's really no oh, there's really no indication of like a plan that he'd written down in like a, he did not have a joel guy jr manifesto, manifesto. <laughs> um so that's why they were just like he just must have been like an obsessed fan you're gonna have to tell me more he so he did kill himself like, dang, where'd he do it? He also, he drove over 100 miles to go shoot her. Wow. So even if it wasn't written down, there must have been some plan. And nope. so, yeah, after he was he was tackled and everything, he pulled out a second gun, fired a single shot into his head and died. Oh. So it was a murder-suicide. Wow. Dang, I'm interested to know, like, why he did it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. They'll never know yeah. because he didn't have any record and now he's gone. His family doesn't know anything. That's like so sad. I remember that came out. Like, I didn't even know who the fuck she was. No, I didn't but, like, either. <laughs> just hearing about it, like, really, like, hit me. So sad. Mm-hmm. Just, like, a random act of nonsensical violence is, like, yeah. what really, like, why? Why? She was just, like, pure. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about her, but it was just, like, she's just a 22-year-old girl singing on the stage. Right. And she was, like... She also did like work for Kids Bop and stuff. Like she was very like wholesome and yeah, cared about her family. Like just like a. I wonder if she like rejected him one time in life or something. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, like in high school or something. Men get crazy when they're rejected. It's true. They, most of them just don't shoot you up. But... Yeah, they call you a bitch and fat and ugly, but yeah. they don't shoot you up. Right. Alrighty. So let's get into my final one, Megan. Yes. Now, mine's similar to the, your story you just did, but the guy who committed the act is still alive, so we get information as to why he did it, mm-hmm. which is a lot better for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my final one is the infamous legend John Lennon of the Beatles. Again, I'm not a fan. I don't really know any of the Beatles songs. Oh my god. I know John Lennon. I knew he was in mm-hmm. the Beatles. I just don't know really anything about it. I knew he died. I didn't know he like got murdered. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Dang. just on the streets of New York. And I didn't realize how old he was. So John Lennon was 40 years old at the time, passing, in which he died on December 8th, 1980. Now he was 40 years old in 1980. Like, mm-hmm. shit. I didn't think he was that old. John Lennon, he was shot dead outside of his New York City home um, as he was returning home with Miss Yoko Ono. Mm-hmm. Um, he was shot four times with a revolver by a crazed fan. Mm-hmm. Now, so the man who committed the crime, the man who committed the murder, his name was Mark David Chapman. Now, Mark David had traveled from Hawaii earlier in the week, and he was actually kind of stalking out Lennon for the past few days before he killed him. I was really interested in learning as to why he did it, which is honestly really fucked up. <laughs> so Mark David Chapman traveled from Hawaii prior to arriving in New York City and actually had asked Lennon for his signature for his newest album called Double Fantasy that day. So the mm. day of the murder, Mark had received John Lennon's signature. Was um, that not enough for him? I, I mean, wait until you hear more. <laughs> oh, God. So we get a little backstory from Yoko Ono. And she said that day that John was in a huge hurry and that he did not even have time to stop. But he did stop and he did give Mark the signature that he wanted. So basically just kind of describing like he took time when he didn't have time to appreciate his fans and give them autographs. So when Mark was found after killing John Lennon, he said that he was reading a copy 
which I might need your help on this one. He was reading a copy of The Catcher in the Rye. Oh, yeah. So I don't know what significance that has with, I don't know why that's important, but is there like a resemblance to a character in The Catcher in the Rye that Mark might have resembled in The Killing of John Lennon? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> so I'm thinking about, oh, I haven't read it since as a sophomore in high school. I really liked it though. So mm-hmm. this is what, 11 year old knowledge of it. So this may be um, a little <gasps> bit old. The story is about essentially Holden Caulfield coming of age and learning about being an adult okay. pretty much and learning how to have responsibilities. And I'm wondering, there's one character I it's like alluded to that he that when Holden was at all boys like private school, yeah. like boarding school or something, that jumped off the roof and killed himself. Mm-hmm. Holden was the first incel. Um so I wonder if Wait, what's that mean? What's that word mean? Oh, incel is um it's involuntarily celibate. So it's guys oh. like like you said before, who get rejected and get pissed. Like, yep. so no one will sleep with them and they really hate women and they think, you know, it's like where the term Chad comes from. They're like, only Chads get laid with like big muscles yep. and I'm a nice guy. And that's like what it is. Well, I feel like I can add to it because that kind of does make sense as the type of person that Mark was. Okay. Um, so after the killing, at that point in time, it was just kind of like out of nowhere. Like no one saw this coming. I mean, at the time, the Beatles were like, it in the 70s like the beatles were popping so john lennon dies the fans are crying fans are sad how can life go on but chapman didn't talk he didn't say why he did it he didn't talk to any news outlets he didn't do any interviews he was sentenced to life in prison and he's currently on his 12th parole hearing that is scheduled for 2022 Mm -hmm. years later we finally get details of why mark did it which is really helpful in understanding why anybody would kill John Lennon at the time because John Lennon was like he was like a political activist you know he was fighting for rights he was fighting for people fighting for like equality basically yeah. you he know was huge yeah right he was big he you know had the Beatles he was doing all that shit he was also like in support of peace and love and all that shit so apparently Mark was very religious now mm. to me. Like, as someone who's not really religious, somebody like Mark who's going to act in this way, it doesn't really do good for, like, the Christianity faith. Because <laughs> it makes him, you know, it's like, he's one of the extremes. Right. Extreme, like, you know, it, you just don't want to even associate with him in this religious belief. So apparently, Mark was irked by John Lennon's views on God. Because John Lennon would make references as to him being more popular than god at the time he also had songs that were called imagine and also a song called god where he referenced how he felt that he was bigger than god for somebody who was like mark and believed in jesus and loved jesus believed in christianity really preached it he didn't like how he was trying to make himself appear bigger than jesus Mm-hmm. So, and this also is backed up by his wife. Yes, Mark had a wife. <laughs> God bless her. God bless her. And also his sisters, that he was really, really angry um, about John Lennon's claims about me being more popular than Jesus. Like, it really got to him. Mark also claims that he did this for glory. He killed John Lennon, and he stands by the killing of John Lennon for glory because he claims that John Lennon was very deceitful in how he put himself out there. He claims that um, John Lennon would preach love and peace, yet have millions of dollars in the bank. And he would, he claimed, this is like words from him saying... Mm -hmm. John Lennon would make us all believe and imagine a life without any possessions. But here John Lennon is with millions of dollars, yachts, farms, and all this stuff. And he's just laughing at people like himself who bought into all the lies and is making himself feel like he's bigger than God. So like this is Mark, you know, like he's very clearly deranged in his thinking of John Lennon. But like to a point where it's like he literally murdered John Lennon. That's how extreme it was. (laughs) Well, it makes me feel like listening to all of these reasons that it was kind of like a dick measuring contest. Like, Lennon thinks he's bigger than God, so I'm going to kill him and be glorious. It's like, that's not Christian. Like, you're supposed to be humble. Like, pride is a sin. And um, to think that he's the arbiter of, like, justice and truth. Like, it makes me think that maybe Mm. Chapman thought he was godlike. 
mm-hmm. too. And like, I don't know, just interesting. Like everything that he did is very like anti-Christian, like causing harms to others, being prideful. Like, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, he's crazy. So like, we can't really make sense of it necessarily. Yeah. And he comes out in all of his parole hearings saying like he did it like he did it this is why he says he did it he says i assassinated him because he was very 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 famous and that's the only reason and i was very 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 much seeking self-glory in which was very selfish i agree it was a very extremely selfish act he's like he admits to all of it but like he still is under the impression that like what he did was justified in order to save like christianity and to save like jesus's name see and that's why they're not releasing him yeah it's because now it's stopping him from killing kim kardashian like exactly famous taylor swift yeah fucking who else (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean every time he goes on the stand to get out of prison he says the same thing. It was self-glory. It was selfish. He apologizes to Yoko Ono all the fucking time. He is now, um, says he's still in prison and he is a devoted Christian and he has pledged to become an evangelist. Evangelicist. Evangelicist. Oh They're the craziest Christians. They're the crazy ones. <laughs> They're the ones preaching out loud to fucking join the religion, you know? Mm-hmm. And They're speaking not... in tongues. Like, I gotta say, Jesus Camp is yeah. my favorite documentary of all time and it's about <laughs> evangelic, evangelicists. Yeah. Whatever. So I, I highly recommend that. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Mark Keek still claims that God still loves him. He says that look how low I went and God still loves me and cares about me and has given me purpose and meaning in my life. I'm sorry, has God texted you that? Did you hear yeah. that from God? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure he talks to him every day. Oh yeah. It seems really bizarre, and I'm sure most of the people in that faith don't really want to be associated with him. Right. You, yeah. I don't think you saved God. I don't think God and Jesus was like that. Everyone else is okay, but that fucking John Lennon. Yeah. (laughs) I think it was just a figure of speech, you know. But also I have heard like, especially like from Paul McCartney, Mm because they were like feuding a lot. Like their last out, the Beatles last album, they couldn't even record in the studio together. It was like all edited together. Like they couldn't even be the same studio. Oh my God. And Paul McCartney was like, it was his ego was just too big. A part of me is like, well, yeah, he probably was really egotistical and was like, I'm bigger than God. I mean, that, that lines up with what people who knew him kind of perception of him. That doesn't mean you go kill somebody. Exactly. (laughs) You know, you not doing good for humanity by killing john lennon right Mm-mm. you know go out and kill hudan hussein mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't he dead well not in the 80s oh yeah i guess that's true <laughs> again if y'all didn't know the story of john lennon's death now you know and i like how all these people have like three names oh yeah mark david chapman kevin james lobel <laughs> <laughs> but john wayne gacy what else do we have that's like three names. John Wilkes Booth. Wait, you're going off the rails now. <laughs> I'm just saying like killers that have like three names. <laughs> Already, is that it? Yeah, I definitely am going to say that we have to do a round two of this at some point, if not yeah. next week, like in the future, because I got a doozy that I really want to share. These are like fun to do too. Yeah, because we yeah. all know who we're talking about. Well, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, people might not know who Christina, Grim- Christina Grimmie is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we all heard about her death. Alrighty, Megan. That's it. That's all we got on Celebrity Murders. How do you feel about that one? That was a lot of fun. I know. We're definitely going to have to do more because we got more on deck. Mm-hmm. But we're just out of time today. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Crime on Tap. Be sure to follow us over on Crime on Tap Pod over on Instagram. Be sure to share it with your family and friends. So you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, the other ones. Um, the other ones alrighty guys we thank you so much for joining us in another episode we'll see you guys next time where crime crime is always always on tap tap. (laughs) 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 (la